0: Right, well, we're in this uh, series, uh, the book of Daniel, and so we're talking about faithful living, so living for Jesus in a society that uh, is increasingly secular. We talked about the word secular last week, and when I use that word, all I mean is um, basically Not the opposite of acknowledging God, and so um, it's when I refer to the word secular, I mean not to do with God or the things of God or or Scripture, and uh, it's really fitting. So I love the Book of Daniel, and I think that the times we live in are um, they're just they're challenging as as Jesus followers, Uh, but they're actually not as challenging as what a lot of people alive today live in. Um, and not as challenging as some of the people we see in scripture and some of the uh, places where they lived. And so we're, uh, and Daniel is an example of that. And the government that uh, was in control or had power in Babylon at the time when Daniel was serving in that government was really, really corrupt. And you're going to see that today. But um, just to put it into perspective, the, the guy that was the king during the time that Daniel. Was serving, if you didn't agree with him, like there was. There's times where he would say, "I'll just rip you limb from limb." Like, like that's that's just the reality Daniel lived in. Or, you'll like, and you might be familiar with Daniel's story, Daniel in the lion's den. um, But they had a den of lions in Babylon that they kept hungry, hungry enough that when food got there, lions would just destroy them, and. So if you disagreed with the king or the government at that time, they would throw you into the den of lions. And, and there's stories that are told about how like, people didn't even hit the ground before the lions just completely devoured them. The pretty exciting stuff, right? <laughs> right? Like, so if you step out of line, so if you disagree, that's what can happen to you. So I love looking at stories like this from Scripture because we see people that figured out how to honor God Uh, in the midst of societies and cultures and under governments where it just seemed almost impossible. And there's a difference, and you got to notice this, when we look at Scripture, there's a difference between when you see people serving God in Israel. So when Israel had power and they had their government set up, they actually agreed, we're going to believe and follow God's Word. So what we see in the Bible, that's what we're going to follow. And so people that served within that... um, they had a very different experience than people like Joseph or Daniel who served in foreign governments where there was no agreement to follow God. And, and they lived in places that were very much uh, secular and just wanted nothing to do with God. And so there's a difference in how people had to figure out how to serve God and honor Him. And, and uh, there's a lot we can learn from Daniel. I, I'm really, this is only our second week in, in Daniel, but I'm really enjoying this series, because I think there's a lot we can learn. And, and I just want you to remember too, as we talk about this, um, I, I believe as followers of Jesus, like we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And so I, I if you're a follower of Jesus today, the, the most incredible promise Jesus gave to his followers was when I go to be with the Father, when I ascend, we're, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to live in you. It's, it's my spirit. He will live in you. He will teach you my truths. He will teach you how to follow me. He will empower you to live in a way that's different. So when I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about trying to be a really good person or trying to be really moral in your own strength. Uh, as a follower of Jesus, if you're convicted by something you read in the scriptures, you see something in Daniel's life that you go, man, I don't live like that. I don't even know if I could. I would encourage you. I do this often. God, please just fill me with your spirit give me the strength to do what you're asking me to do, because I can't do it in my own strength. Um, I just want to say that as a reminder, um, because this isn't about becoming a really good person or doing all the right things in your own strength. Um, God gives us these teachings so that we can rely on Him. And so this week, I want to talk about the purpose of a gift. And so why does God give people gifts or abilities? What's, like, what is the actual purpose of a gift? And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to talk a little bit about, I want to jog your, your memory with this. Um, when you think of the word minister, what, what do you think of? Okay, so just, just think about what comes to mind when you think of the word minister. If you've been a part of the church your whole life, you probably think of a pastor. Okay, so, but if you haven't been a part of the church, you probably think of somebody in government, Right? There are, and if my numbers are wrong on this, if you're, if you're like a legal or, or a governmental scholar and, and you want to correct me that afterwards, that's okay, because <laughs> um, I did some research on the Government of Canada website, but there are 38 ministers in the federal government that serve under our prime minister, Justin Trudeau. So if I did the right calculation, there are 39 ministers. And so the ministers. Uh, they serve in various areas. There's a minister of veterans affairs. There's a minister of mental health. There's a minister of health. There's a minister of foreign affairs, minister of labor. So these people, okay, so you've got Justin Trudeau, who's our prime minister. And then underneath him, there's 38 ministers that serve in different positions in our country. And so the word minister is actually intentional. Um, The word minister means servant or attendant. And the prime minister is the prime, like the example. He's he's the head guy uh, or girl, and they are the prime minister. They're the person that serves as as overseer of all of these different ministerial positions. Uh, And so the role of a minister, and I want you to catch this, and the reason we use this word, even in Canadian politics, the reason we use the word minister is because a minister is a person who serves. So that, that person... Ideally, and I'm not making any political statements, and so I'm not making any jokes about whether people actually do this, but the point of there being a minister in government is that that person has that role for the sake of the people they serve. Okay, so if you're a, and I used to, you probably know this from being around for a while, but I used to be a lobster fisherman in Graham and Ann. So I, I got to know quite a bit about the minister of fisheries, because there were times where the the fishermen were really ticked off at this minister of fisheries for whatever reason, right? And so they would complain, and that was the person they had to advocate for if they wanted change to happen in the laws regarding fisheries and oceans. But that person, the minister, the role of a minister is that they serve the people that they represent. So the gift, the purpose of the gift, okay? And so this is what I want to get to. So what we're talking about today is the purpose of a gift. Like, the reason you have a gift or a role, or if you get a role... um, is for the sake of other people. And we actually get this wrong a lot. A lot of times, um, people who are really gifted get this idea in their heads that the gift is somehow to serve themselves. It's like to make me, you know, famous or have power or have authority or whatever the case may be. Or, or if you're in a position of power, sometimes people who are in positions of power, and we've all seen examples of this, and I'm not, again, I'm not going to make any political jokes, and so I'm not going to say any names, but we've we've all seen examples of people that serve in high positions, but they get the idea in their mind that that is more about themselves than the people they serve. Have you seen that? No? You guys are all like, never. (laughs) Right? You've seen that. So people that, like, they serve in a certain position, they have all kinds of power, they have all kinds of authority or whatever, and you just get the feeling when you're looking at them or listening to them, it's more about them than it is about the people they serve. And would we agree that there's something wrong with that? Like, if you have a position of authority, especially so if you're high up in the Canadian government or you're high up in whatever, and you, you oversee a group of people, the purpose of that is that you serve that group of people. It's not for you, right? So if you get to be uh, a minister in the government, if you're the minister of Veterans Affairs or the minister of health, it, it shouldn't, it, you shouldn't have that position and think, I'm amazing. What an incredible... Human, like people, need to just serve me, right? Would you agree? So, if you're in one of those positions, like the purpose of it is to serve; it's for the sake of other people. I want to read you uh, before we look at Daniel in John chapter 13. This is this passage of scripture has rocked me. So Jesus, uh, and I'm not going to talk too much about the, the Trinity today, but at some point, okay, I just want you to think about this. At some point, Jesus came to know that he was one with God. I don't believe Jesus was born that way. When Jesus was a baby in a manger, I don't, like, I don't believe he had full knowledge of everything. Like, he, he came, he was fully man, he was fully God. Okay, there's a lot to that. Even talking with the Trinity, I'm probably going to step on toes. But I just want you to just think with think this for a second. When Jesus was born as a baby, he didn't realize the full extent of who he was. At some point, he came to realize that, because he was fully man. he's also fully God. So, and it's interesting to think about, at what point did Jesus Christ realize that he was God? Like, at what point did that, like, enter into the, uh, to his mind and he realized he's one with God? He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He, you know, was it at his baptism or was it when he was 12 years old and he's in the temple and he's talking to the different uh, scholars and he's impressing them? But that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, at what point did Jesus realize he's God, right? This passage here, um, in John gives us a little bit of a clue. I'm just going to read a couple verses. It says, and this is the famous story where Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. And just list, just watch the wording here because this is really really powerful. It says Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So at some point, Jesus came to realize he is. God. He had come from God. He's returning to God. He realized God had given him authority over everything. Authority over everything. All authority. So he's he's more than the prime minister. He's like the supreme minister. He's the OG of ministers, okay? Um, So Jesus, he knew the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. So this is really illogical for how human beings think. He realized he has all authority, so he gets up. He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So, at my, when I was ordained in 2019, um, I was given this bowl. It's a super nice little wash basin bowl with a towel, and it's kind of dirty because I put a bunch of chocolate in there, um, and it got stained. And, uh, anyways. Um, but I was given this bowl, and it was a reminder: you're you're being ordained because your your role is to serve people. It's not about you. So you, when you, and that, that was what I was told at my ordination. You don't become a pastor because of something special about you. You you become a pastor because now your role is to serve other people. But it's modeled after Jesus, and so Jesus, and this is really important in what we just read. It says here that Jesus comes to realize that he has authority over everything. He realizes he is one with God. So, and then it says so, he goes and washes the defeat of his disciples. Like, isn't that significant to you? Like, the next move that Jesus makes after after it says that he realized he has all authority, all power, all control, the, the very next move is to go and do the role of a slave. Is that not mind, like, mind-blowing to you? <laughs> like, for me, I'm like... Jesus is modeling to us what service looks like, what it looks like. So if you have any position or power or authority, you have special gifts, like the the, the next logical thing as far as God is concerned is to serve other people. But for humans, the next logical thing is for, for us to just like do something for ourselves. Isn't that the temptation? You get to like, you have some position, you have some authority, and you start thinking that you're something special. That's kind of the next thing that humans do. But in Jesus', in Jesus world, he says, you know, he, he realized he's from God, he's going to God, so then he goes and he serves. So the purpose of a gift, and that's what I want to talk about today, and we, we see this modeled in Daniel's life. The purpose of a gift, if you have a gift or a position or some role of authority, the purpose for that isn't for you, isn't to draw attention to yourself. It's for the sake of other people. So I don't know if I'm going to get through all of these today, but I'll just put them up on the screen um, because I'm obviously, this is something I'm really um, not just excited about, but I believe it's something God is wanting to challenge us with. And so I want to put these three lessons up here in case I don't get through them all. Um, But what I want to highlight today from what we're going to read, we're going to read the first half of Daniel 2, and you can just look for this as we're reading. Um, But the three lessons from Daniel today is that Daniel realized that his gift was not for himself, and Daniel had an incredible gift. I think Daniel was a brilliant young man, um, and Scripture reveals that. But he realized that his gift was not for himself. He could have used it for himself. He could have used it for his own fame, his own glory, but he realized his gift was not for himself. Second, Daniel was unimpressed with self, but in awe of God. So the more gifted and the more abilities Daniel had, the more he was like not impressed with himself, he was just more in awe of God. And you know what sometimes happens, and we're going to see this next week, but Nebuchadnezzar has an incredible leadership gift. He's an incredibly authoritative man, and he rules with dominance, and he rules with fear and power, but he gets really impressed with himself. He starts thinking that he's something special, and God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. It's a pretty crazy story. We're going to look at that one next week. But Daniel, he had, I believe, more gifts than Nebuchadnezzar. I think he had more leadership gifts. He was wiser. The Bible even says Daniel was good-looking. He was this young, good-looking guy. So not only was he like super gifted intellectually with leadership and he could interpret dreams, but he's also super good looking, right? That's like in the Bible. <laughs> I think it's funny that they put that in there, right? And so he's got all, he's got everything that people would go, oh, I want that. But the more he realizes that he's gifted, the less impressed with himself he is. He's like, no, I'm impressed with God. Like if, if, if I've got all this, it's because of how, ama- like if, if I can do this, imagine what God can do. Like God is amazing. He is, he is beyond what any of us could even fathom or understand. So he, he, Daniel was unimpressed with self, but in awe of God. And then third, Daniel prayed boldly for impossible things. And I want to put this, this note. I didn't put this up on the, on the screen. Daniel prays for impossible things. And Daniel realizes prayer changes some things, not everything. Because, and this is important. There are things that, that we pray for that God says no. Because he's sovereign, he sees all. But there are things we don't pray for that would have changed if we had prayed for them. And there's this beautiful mystery in the sovereignty of God. Okay, so um, the way that God has designed the world is that he actually responds to faith. Daniel prays boldly. He sees incredible change. But then there's things, I'm sure Daniel prayed for revival in Babylon. He didn't see it in his, his lifetime. And we'll, we'll talk about that later as well. So those are the three things I want to draw. So just kind of keep your eye out for that as we read. Daniel, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 30. Lord, I just pray that as we read and as we, we look at Daniel's life, that you would just inspire us to actually surrender to you. I pray that we would see Daniel's life and that you would create a hunger in us to be people who shine for you in the midst of a culture where there's darkness, where it's difficult to shine. Just, I pray that you'd inspire in us a desire to live in such a way that honors you, And help us, God. Fill us with your spirit so that we can actually do that. Because we realize we can't do it in our own strength. In Jesus' name, amen. So Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 30 says, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me. And I must know what it means. Just listen to how demanding and powerful this king is. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic Long live the king, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream means, what? From limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed, and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Simple, right? (laughs) Like, this Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, because if I do, then it's going to prove you're not really an astrologer and a sorcerer. If you're really an astrologer and a sorcerer, you should be able to tell me what I dreamt and then tell me the meaning. And he makes it even simpler. He's like, if you don't, I'll just tear your arms off and I'll burn your houses down. But if you do... I'll give you all kinds of good gifts, and you'll have fame, and people will look to you and think you're great, right? Like, pretty simple, straightforward. Like, I just want you to imagine, okay, for a second, like, that's the kind of king Daniel was serving. Like, that's the kind of guy that Daniel um, had to, to serve under. He had to learn his ways. He had to learn about. And so, we do live in difficult times and tricky times, but I just want to draw attention to the fact that there are people that have lived under governments and under authorities that are, like, way more intense than what we've experienced. And God was faithful with them, and he's going to be faithful with us. This, this request that the king brings um, reveals the kind of person he was and the kind of kingdom that Daniel and his friends were living in. So they said again, please your majesty, tell us the dream, and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know that I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. So. If, so you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping that I'll change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, "No one on earth can tell the king his dream, and no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of a magician, enchanter or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods, can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among the people." I, like this verse right here I love. Because this is the perfect time for God to say, I'm going to reveal myself, right? So these guys say, there isn't a person alive on planet earth that could do this. Only the gods can do it, and they don't live among the people. This actually draws our attention. You know, the word Emmanuel, we talk about it a lot at Christmas, it means God with us. You actually see that happening in the book of Daniel, okay? And there's another story we're going to get to in a few weeks where Um, there's a fourth man in the fire with the three men that were thrown in, and the the king says it, it looks like a son of the gods. So in the book of Daniel, what we see is we see God's revealing like, no, no, the world thinks I'm not here with you, but I am, right? So they say, no one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among the people. And God's response in the book of Daniel is, I do live here among the people, among those that are faithful among those, and, and for those that are willing to call out to him, he's a revealer of, of secrets. Verse 12, the king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's degre- decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Just like you would if somebody came to kill you in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> You'd be totally chill, calm, Right? So like this guy shows up, Arioch. he's got like the palace guard with him and he's ready to kill and Daniel's just calm, cool, and collected. Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven, to show them his mercy by telling them the secret, so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. and Listen to his praise. It just bursts out of him. It says, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness. Though he is surrounded by light, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Arioch quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, and also, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, and listen to his reply. He says, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I'll tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what's going to happen. And it's not because I'm wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. So that last line, Daniel says to the king, he's like, it's, it's, the reason that I've seen this, the reason that God revealed the secret to me isn't because of my wisdom being superior than all these other people. It's because God wanted you to know the meaning of the dream. And I'm not you I would encourage you to go read the rest of chapter two, because you can read the, the dream and what it meant, and what it meant for that kingdom and the future of that kingdom and all that. But the point is, Daniel realized like his gift, his ability was not for himself. So, in kingdoms like Babylon, if you did something really significant for a king like Nebuchadnezzar, We see the same thing happening with Joseph when he was in Egypt, when he uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He's like elevated to this high position of honor. Oftentimes when you did something great, you had some kind of personal benefit. But Daniel didn't care about the personal benefit. He realized the gift that God had given him was for the sake of other people. And what's interesting is Daniel lives in a very, like we've talked about, a very secular society. If the government can just go, well, if you don't tell me the dream, we're going to rip your arms off and burn your house down. Like, that's a pretty secular society, right? <laughs> like, you don't see that kind of thing happening um, in a place that honors Jesus, right? So, it's a pretty brutal place, and and Daniel lives in there. And what's, what's really neat is that we, like, last week, we talked about how Daniel was abducted from his homeland with all these uh, other young, brilliant uh, people because the government of Babylon wanted them to serve within that context. And so he goes there, and I know Daniel would have had to wrestle with like, the, the ways of the Babylonians. And what's interesting is if you study in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible actually condemns sorcery, witchcraft, calling out on, on other spirits, all those kinds of things. If you look at Exodus chapter 22, Leviticus chapter 20, and then in the New Testament, in Revelation, um, it talks about, um, there's, there's a, a condemning verse about witchcraft and sorcery and, and getting into those kinds of things. But Daniel's gift, do you notice here? It actually benefits all these astrologers, um, sorcerers, and people that were serving in Nebuchadnezzar's uh, kind of palace, right? And I brought, I brought this today. I don't know how this makes you feel, um, but this is a, a book, Gene, Gene has joked about, I, ha- I bought this, I forget where I got it, but it's Justin Trudeau's book, it was before he came, became a leader, it's called Common Ground, and uh, Gene was like, oh, you're studying Justin Trudeau, eh, one time we were talking about it, because it's, it's in my office on my shelf, um, and depending on where you fall politically, like, even that I have this on stage might make you go, why, like, why do you have that on stage while you're preaching? did it touch your Bible? <laughs> like what, maybe you feel that way. Or maybe you're like, you should read that and you should you know, listen to some more of the things that, that Trudeau has to say. The reason I wanted to, to bring this up is because Daniel, like, he had to study stuff that had to do with his country. He had to study under a leader that stood for things that he didn't agree with. Daniel's gift, his ability, actually served his leader. Daniel says, I don't know if you noticed in the end of this prayer, but Daniel says, God didn't give me the wisdom, uh, you know, for, for me, like it wasn't about me. It was for you. It was for the sake of the, the kingdom of Babylon. And as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, like your workplace, your family, the people you spend time with, sometimes you're, you're around people that they don't have the same beliefs or the same value system. And what I want to encourage you with is that if God has given you a gift or he's given you influence or he's given you whatever, it's for the sake of other people. And sometimes God wants us just to bless people for free. I believe there's people that serve in, um, in the government and, and they just have this, this love for the Lord and they serve in a, in a place where it's challenging or it's difficult to be a Christian and, and they wrestle with their, their Christian convictions. But what we see in the life of Daniel is that Daniel served under people that did things that he very much disagreed with. But he realized that his gift was for them. And there was a difference, and the reason I said this earlier is there's a difference between you see people within Israel and the way they serve God um, under a, you know, Christian government was different than people like Daniel or Joseph that were in a place that was very secular. And so what does that, what does that mean for our lives personally? Like, what does, it, what does it look like when you go to work every day or maybe you work in some way for the government? If God has given you a gift? serve other people use it to be a blessing to other people without strings attached that doesn't mean you don't talk about your faith you don't tell people about jesus um i remember when i worked as a, i worked at a newspaper in moncton and i was out with some coworkers, and i asked i said can i just pray for a meal and i prayed and i finished my prayer by saying in jesus name amen and my boss looked at me and said you shouldn't do that you shouldn't use jesus name in a prayer it's really offensive and uh, I, was like, I was like, well, I, I, I believe in him, and I, I actually wouldn't even pray if I wasn't talking to him because I believe in him. And we ended up having a decent conversation, and I think we had respect for each other coming out of that. Um, but it was one of those moments where, like, I was in a public place working with people that don't have the same values, and, and my faith was challenged, and it was an opportunity just to be a blessing to this person. And sometimes God calls you to be a blessing to people for free, without pushing things, without shoving it down their throat. Daniel had to learn to do that. He realized that his gift was not for himself. And I just want to encourage you to think about, do you use your God-given gifts to serve and bless people? And do do you do so willingly? And do you pray for those people? Do you use them to be a blessing to those around you? That's what we learned from Daniel, that he realized that his gift was not for himself. And then secondly, Daniel was unimpressed with self, but he was in awe of God. Uh, you've probably heard this, this joke before about dogs and cats, um, but you know how uh, dogs, they have this idea that, oh, you feed me, you give me water, you take me for walks, you take care of me, you must be God, right? And then cats, oh, you feed me, you give me water, you take, you take me for walks, you take care of me, I must be God. You ever heard that? <laughs> that's like the difference between dogs and cats, right? Um, but that's kind of similar in like with, when we get sort of obsessed with ourselves and our gifts. Daniel was unimpressed with self, but he was in awe of God. Daniel was more like a dog than a cat, okay? <laughs> so the cat, the more you serve them, the more you do things. If you're a cat lover, I'm sorry, okay? Um, my wife actually really likes cats, and I, I'm not a huge fan. They're, they're okay. Um, but it just seems like they think they're God, right? Whereas a dog, they just, like, they worship you, and no matter what you do, they love you, and they're super whatever, right? But the same can be true of humans. Like, I, I, it's really easy to develop this attitude of, like, I'm, I'm the special one. You need to treat me well. But Daniel, he, he, like, he realized that he was a gifted person. He realized that God had given him incredible leadership gifts, gifts of wisdom ability to interpret dreams. He was good-looking, but that actually made him more in awe of God. So verses 20 to 23, what I, what I read, I want to read that again. That'll be up on the screen. Listen to what he says of God. It's like, it's like this is bursting out of, of Daniel. Daniel has this incredible breakthrough. He, he realizes that God answers his prayer. He realizes that he, he actually could have a really high position in the kingdom, and people would just think he's amazing and this is what he says about God, he says, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes and sets up other kings. So Daniel even realizes, like, even kings that don't honor and and worship God, like, God actually controls all that. God has control over what's going to happen with but the virus, with the lockdowns, with, like, with who's in charge, with who's in charge in, in, in China and Russia and Canada and all over. the like. God is actually sovereign. He's never panicking. And Daniel realizes he's tapping into this. He's realizing like, God, you're the, he calls him the revealer of mysteries, the reveal of, of secrets. And he, he recognizes God is in control. And God is like, and Daniel realizes he's kind of let me in on his glory a little bit. You see that? like Daniel's like, he realized that God just had given him an ability to interpret a dream for the most powerful man alive at the time. And and instead of being impressed with himself, he was even more impressed with God. He was more like a, a dog. God, you are amazing. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness. Though he is surrounded by light, I thank and praise you, God, my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength, and you have told me, what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So Daniel realizes that like he, he puts his awe in God. And I think that's something that you and I um, as followers of Jesus have got to learn that if, if you have some ability or some, you know, position of influence or power, like let that cause you to just be even more in awe of God. We've all seen people that their position or their abilities get to their heads. And if we're honest, some of us have actually been those people where our abilities and our gifts have gotten to our heads. That's why the, you know, at at my ordination, I was talking with this earlier, they they give us this this basin, like no matter how much education you get as a pastor, no matter how much influence your church has, no matter what you do in ministry, you've got to realize, like, your call is to serve. It's not about you. If, if, if we get this idea in our head that our gifts are somehow for us, that we're something special, we've totally missed the whole point of why God gives gifts. It's, it's for others, but it should also make us go, man, God is so amazing. You know, if, and you think about some of the amazing things people have done um, Thomas Edison with the light bulb and Alexander Graham Bell with the phone. And, and think of some of the inventors and some of the amazing things they've done. Like we tend to think, like we, we tend to uh, put people up on a pedestal that are incredible. But if, if human beings can figure out that, imagine what God is. Imagine the genius and the brilliance of God. Like I think God looks at the, the, the technological developments that we've made and he's like, you have no idea. I mean, we're pretty impressed that we can send a rocket to the moon and people can get out. Some people think that didn't actually happen. We won't get into that today. <laughs> but we're pretty impressed, okay, that a rocket can, can leave the atmosphere of Earth, right? And, and I really believe, like, and, and sometimes I think the people that are involved in doing something like that or coming up with it can get this idea in their mind, like, man, I'm pretty, I'm pretty special because we compare ourselves to each other. But what Daniel realized was he didn't compare himself to other people. He compared himself to God, and he realized, like, if God gave me this little tiny gift, imagine the brilliance and the amazingness of God, the genius of God. So if, if, if you have a gift or you, you see something that's incredible, I just want to encourage you, like, let that do what it did for Daniel where you're just absolutely in awe of God. So if you're, and I, yeah, if you're tempted to be impressed with yourself, um, tell that to God and ask him to reveal to you in an even deeper way more what he's like. And I want to uh, close with this. I just want to share this last point. Daniel prayed boldly. For impossible things. Um, this, this is, a, I think, probably one of the core convictions of our church is prayer. And, and I want to be the first to confess to you that prayer is something that I don't feel like I've figured out. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he spent three years with his disciples, and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I've said this before, but they, they weren't asking him, teach us to do miracles, teach us to walk on water. Like they said, please teach us to pray. Because they realized that the core of his ministry was prayer. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, would go off and spend whole nights alone with God in prayer. Jesus, God in the flesh, would go spend a whole night in prayer before he chose his disciples. Jesus, when, when, the, when the apostles couldn't do certain miracles, he'd say, well, it's because of a lack of prayer on your part. Like, prayer is, is central. And so, in Daniel, we see this impossible demand of being able to, f- for one, figure out the dream the king had without the king ever saying anything, and then interpret it. And his response is, we, we've got to pray. There is no human way that this is going to happen. So, he, he gathers up his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, we're going to spend the night fasting and praying, and we're going to seek God for this. And God miraculously reveals to them the secret and Daniel and his three friends and that all the magicians and astrologers of Babylon are actually saved. They don't get torn limb from limb. But this this uh, lesson that we need to learn from, from Daniel is that Daniel prayed for impossible things. And I believe as followers of Jesus, he calls us to pray for things that are just humanly impossible. And the thing is, is we don't always see the exact answer we're looking for. One of the things that I've noticed in the book of Daniel is that we don't see this massive revival in Babylon. There's a bit of a revival, and we'll we'll look at it, but after Nebuchadnezzar's, after this happens, Nebuchadnezzar makes this law. He says, okay, now everybody in Babylon is going to worship God, or else we're going to kill you, (laughs) okay? He was all about just like brute force and ruling with power, right? So, that wasn't quite a revival when people were like, okay, okay, I'll worship, what's his name? Yahweh, okay, we'll worship, we'll worship him, right? Like, you don't see this massive revival in, in Daniel's life, but what you do see is that God uses Daniel in incredibly significant ways. And um, there are a few leaders in Babylon that come to know God and surrender to him. But God answers really bold, audacious prayers. And I just want to encourage us, I think that... Um, There are some of us that we have felt the Lord putting it on our hearts to pray for certain things and maybe have grown discouraged with that or have given up praying for it. And I just want to encourage you to pray bold prayers. Daniel prays this bold, impossible prayer and God answers miraculously. God still answers miraculously. God still does incredible things in response to prayer. And and sometimes he says no, and there's the sovereignty of God, and and sometimes his timing is not what our timing is. But God responds to prayer, and we see that in the life of Daniel. And I just want to encourage you to, even as we're talking about this, are are there some things um, you've given up praying for that you need to continue praying for? And maybe a bold prayer for you is telling your neighbor that you talk to all the time about Jesus. Maybe, Maybe your bold prayer is there's a person in your life that you've got a relationship with and you want to see them come to know God, and, and you're afraid to pray because God might want to use you to do that. <laughs> like, okay. But do it, right? Like, I, um, I've got people in my life that I see on a regular basis that don't know Jesus, and my prayer is that they would come to know Him. And the thing is, is God a lot of times will use you as, a, as an answer to that prayer, and that sometimes can be terrifying. But if you're terrified of that, just think of Daniel. If he didn't get the dream right, they were going to rip his arms off, Okay. That was a lot worse, okay? And so I just want to encourage you, if God's got somebody he's putting on your heart, um, pray bold prayers like Daniel. I'm going to invite the team to come up and we're just going to close with a couple songs. And I just want to, I don't know if that slide is still available, uh, Megan, but the three things that we looked at from this story and from the life of Daniel is that God has given you gifts that are not for you. Secondly, that um, live un, uh, impressed with God and not with self. And third, to pray boldly and ask God for big things. And if the Lord's stirring your heart in any of these things, I just want to encourage you to, to respond to Him and ask God to enable you by His Spirit to be able to live in a way that honors Him and pleases Him, even in the midst of a, a culture and a society that is so uh, kind of moving away from Him. Let's pray and then we'll close with these songs. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your word. Um, God, I thank you for what we learn as we look into the life of Daniel. He was somebody who just lived to honor you. He didn't get caught up with himself, and he realized that you had given him gifts and abilities for the sake of others, and he prayed and asked you for bold things. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to become more like that, Lord, that that we would pray boldly, that we would be in awe of you, that we would live in, in just a, a state of awe and reverence before you, and that, Lord, we would serve other people wholeheartedly. Um, even if it's people we don't agree with or we wrestle with, Lord, I just pray you'd help us to serve and be a blessing to, to those around us, God. We love you, Lord. We look to you, and we just pray for your, your peace and blessing. I just pray that even as we sing these last couple songs, that we would hear you speaking to us and leading us and guiding us. In Jesus' name.